Welcome to Adjusted Reality, a podcast series trusted by the adjusted and brought to you by the Foundation for Chiropractic Progress, where we learn from athletes, celebrities, influencers, and healthcare professionals about how to optimize health in a fun, relatable way. Join me, Dr. Sherry McAllister, as I speak with Dr. Anna Lepke about her latest book, Dopamine Nation, Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence, the relationship between pain and pleasure, and how to manage compulsive overconsumption in a world riddled with digital dopamine. Welcome aboard, Dr. Anna. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me again. It's fantastic to have you. And our last podcast with you was an exciting hit. So we're delighted to hear more about what your latest book is about. Now, I'm going to start off with asking you, why did you write Dopamine Nation? Mm, Yeah. You know, I wrote it because I think we're living in an exceptionally difficult time in human history in ways that are not immediately transparent. And I feel like thanks to my patients in large part, I've cracked the code a little bit on maybe how to mitigate suffering in this crazy mixed up world. And I wanted to share that with other people. Absolutely wonderful. Because as a, as a physician myself, we do learn a lot from our patients. And I think we have to give them credit where credit is due. All of those out there that are listening to this podcast, thank you for helping us be better healthcare providers as we listen to you and what you're going through. Well, tell us the title of your book, Dopamine. The audience here is looking forward to learning more about what actually is dopamine and how does our body use this powerful chemical? So dopamine is a neurotransmitter in the brain that is associated with the experience of pleasure, motivation, and reward. It's probably even more important to motivation than it is to pleasure itself. So for example, in a famous experiment, um, mice were engineered to not have any dopamine at all, no dopamine transmission, no dopamine receptors. And um, what the scientists discovered was that if they took food and put it in the the mouse's mouth, the the mouse would eat the food and seem to get pleasure from it. But if they put the food even just a body length away, the mouse would not get up to go get the food and would ultimately starve to death. Oh, so the reason that that's interesting is because what it says is there's something about dopamine in particular that's key for motivation, for getting us up off the couch and getting us to, to do the things that our brain tells us we need to do um, to survive in the world. And of course, um, you know, we've been engineered over millions of years of evolution to release dopamine in response to food, clothing, shelter, finding a mate. Uh, the problem is that we now have an almost infinite supply of highly rewarding drugs and behaviors that ultimately trick our brain into thinking that they're necessary for survival when they're really not. And so we can get into this vicious cycle of compulsive overconsumption or even you know, more severe forms of addiction as our brain essentially gets hijacked um, and confused by the high dopamine rewards that we're all being exposed to every day. In your book, which I loved, by the way, you Thank gave you. a example of the pitcher and the catcher 
And I really loved that. And I think it helps to kind of get an idea of how the kind of the brain works. Could you just share a little bit about that example? Sure. So, you know, we often toss around this word neurotransmitter and the question is, well, what actually is neurotransmitter? Uh, It's a chemical that essentially allows neurons to communicate with each other. So neurons are these long spindly cells in the brain that transmit electrical signals to each other to make, uh, you know, these circuits that are essentially our thoughts and emotions and everything else that's going on in the brain. But these neurons don't touch end to end. They're separated by a little gap. And that space is called the synapse. And it's there for a very good reason. It's a way to sort of short circuit uh, an electrical circuit that's maybe gone out of control. It's an additional level of checks and balances. And the way then that a presynaptic neuron transmits an electrical signal to a postsynaptic neuron is through these chemical messengers called neurotransmitters. Uh, And dopamine is one of those. Others are serotonin, norepinephrine, those are all neurotransmitters. And the, the, the pitcher and the catcher analogy is that the presynaptic neuron is like the pitcher. It gets the electrical signal. It then throws the ball to the catcher. The catcher is the receptor on the postsynaptic neuron, catches that ball, the neurotransmitter. And then once the neurotransmitter binds to the catcher's mitt or the receptor on the postsynaptic neuron, it then sends a cascade of chemical signals that further transmit that electrical signal um, you know, through the brain. And that's how we get, that's how we get these loops. What I really like about that is it, it's very, it's very simplistic it, and you bring about, I know Albert Einstein had a, um, a very famous quote, something along the lines of, if you can't explain it simply, you just don't get it yet. Yes, so, right. so I think you definitely get what's really going on here. Well, let me just add to that. One of my favorite episodes of the office is where Michael says, explain it to me. Like I'm an eight-year-old. And then, and then the guy explains it and he says, wait, explain it to me. Like I'm a five-year-old explain to me. Like I'm a five-year-old. Anyway, I I can really identify with Michael in the office. I, I totally agree with you. Sometimes we just need to dumb it down enough so that it does make a simplistic and easy understanding so that when we get into these very difficult conversations, you can think about who's pitching and what are they pitching? What's that baseball look like? And as we kind of get into that, we know from your first book, um, Drug Dealer MD, we have a magnificent opioid epidemic that's happening among us. And um, opiates are in fact that baseball. So, So what I want you to go into is the relationship that happens between pain and pleasure. And as most of the, the non-pharmacological healthcare providers, specifically chiropractic, is the area of focus that, that this podcast really does resonate around is we do get the pain and pleasure um, uh, idea because it it resonates for the body what the body mm-hmm. is doing the bo- the brain will react to and vice versa so share with us that relationship well you know as i talk about in the book um one of the most interesting findings in neuroscience in the past 75 years is that pain and pleasure are co-located in the brain and what that means is that the same parts of the brain that process pleasure also process pain and importantly they work like a balance. And the way that 
that balance achieves what we call homeostasis or maintains a level balance, which is what it wants to do. It doesn't want to be for very long tip to the side of pleasure or the side of pain is that it, whenever we experience a pleasurable, a highly rewarding or pleasurable stimulus, and we get a little tip uh, to the pleasure side and we get dopamine released in our brain's reward pathway, the brain will immediately compensate for that by tipping the balance an equal and opposite amount to the side of pain before restoring a level balance or homeostasis. What, what that tells us essentially is that for every pleasure, there's a cost on the heels of pleasure, there is pain. And it can be very subtle. So for example, if I eat a piece of chocolate, that tipping to the side of pain before restoring homeostasis might just be that moment, that fleeting moment of wanting a second piece of chocolate. If I wait long enough, it goes away and balance is restored. But the more addictive a substance is, the, the, the harder and faster that pleasure balance, Ple it tips to the side of pleasure, the more dopamine I get released in the reward pathway. And that means that the come down or the after effect is equally intense and strong. That's the hangover. That's the withdrawal. You know, when it comes to opioids, um, that that's, you know, opioid withdrawal, which can be extraordinarily painful. But another really important rule governing this balance is that with repeated exposure to the same or similar stimulus, the initial response of pleasure gets weaker. So the balance tips less and it gets shorter in duration. And the after response of pain gets longer and gets stronger. So this is one of the great paradoxes of how the brain works. The first time we do something, we might hardly notice the sort of after effect of pain that comes on its heels. But if we do that pleasurable thing again and again, we essentially ultimately reset our brain to the side of pain. I talked about these little gremlins hopping on mm -hmm. the pain side of the balance. And the more pleasure we in, indulge in, the more gremlins that we get on the pain side of the balance to, to compensate. And if we do that over weeks to months to years, we can essentially reset our pleasure pain pathways so that they're tilted to the side of pain. And that is what causes opioid tolerance. That is what causes dependence and withdrawal. That is what causes opioid induced hyperalgesia. That all of this, all of these opioids that we're trying, you know, to use for whatever the reason um, on the pleasure side of the balance, ultimately change our brain over time so that we're down-regulating our own dopamine, our own dopamine receptors. We're down-regulating our own endogenous opioid production. And we end up with a pleasure pain balance tilted to the side of pain. Um, and that's the really pernicious aspect of using opioids, especially long-term for chronic pain. Short-term use is evidence-based and there's no problem. Um, you know, as long as the person tolerates it, not everybody does, but it's the chronic use that, you know, resets or essentially changes our brain. Sometimes people will ask, is there a difference between somebody who doesn't start out with a level balance, like somebody who starts out with pain, right? So their balance is already tipped to the side of pain. And the answer to that is, unfortunately, there's no difference. The homeostatic mechanisms still work the same. So if you start out in pain, you take an opioid, you'll definitely initially get relief, relief mm -hmm. from that, you know, but over time you will essentially still accumulate those neuroadaptation gremlins on the pain side of the balance, but you'll go even harder, you know, even further on the pain side than you did originally. It's that, an that's, excellent that's analogy. I really enjoy how you've set the tone for 
we are in balance. That's a whole purpose is to find that balance. And when you go too far left or too far right, AKA you have too much pleasure. Um, it reminds me of you, you have a birthday party and all of a sudden, you know, it's two years, two year old toddlers and they're throwing cake everywhere. It's too much pleasure happening here. Someone's going to end up cleaning up this disastrous mess. Um, I think it's important though, that our listeners get an understanding of that. A body in homeostasis is a body that is developing and keeping the momentum of what we're actually looking to be in an existence of peace and prosperity. Cause you, you, when you're too far one side or the other, I think that's where it becomes, um, very difficult to come out. And you talked a little bit about managing compulsive overconsumption in your book, share with our listeners that that compulsive overconsumption that you, you were talking about. Well, you know, what I basically hypothesize in the book is that we've all become vulnerable to the problem of compulsive overconsumption or addiction because we live in this drugified world where we have almost infinite access to these highly reinforcing drugs and behaviors. So not even just drugs, but things that we do on our phones, on our computers, uh, video games, shopping, gambling, it's all become so much more potent, accessible. Novelty is a huge trigger for dopamine. So, you know, once we find something that we like on YouTube or on social media, the AI algorithms remember it and then proffer something that's quite a bit like that, but just a little bit novel. And that's, you know, that causes that release of dopamine. And then we want to go check it out. So, um, you know, the hypothesis of the book is essentially that, you know, we're living in a very difficult and unprecedented time in human history because. Of all, we're just being bombarded by dopamine. And so we're all de facto out of balance mm-hmm. are, you know, at war with our neuroadaptation gremlins trying to restore homeostasis, but having difficulty doing so. And so ultimately settling out here, um, in the side of pain, you know, when we're not using, and that's really what addiction is, you know, why do people who have severe addiction relapse, even after they stop using and their lives get better. The reason is because they're walking around with a balance tilted to the side of pain, right? Mm-hmm. They're experiencing the universal symptoms of withdrawal from any addictive substance, anxiety, irritability, insomnia, dysphoria, intrusive thoughts of wanting to use. And I think we've all gotten to that point, you know, whether, you know, your only drug is your smart smartphone, but you know, you put it down and you just have these intrusive thoughts of um, wanting to check it. You know, did I, did I get a text? You know, is something good coming my way? I really think, you know, that that is compulsive overconsumption and addiction. That's our dopamine out of balance. And, um, you know, and I have lots of suggestions in the book for how to try to bring it in balance again. It is. There's a lot of really good stuff that, that does help you start to think about how to balance those scales again. And when you dive into the understanding, I think first and foremost, you have to understand it because we walk around many of us with no concept of the pain pleasure balance and without fully appreciating that as, as we walk into a healthcare provider's uh, room and start talking to them about their current pain. Cause most will never come and say, Hey, I've got this much pleasure. I want you to listen to it. Right. <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> and if it does, 
Dr. Anna, I think you and I will both be delighted. <laughs> It'll be very interesting. But one of the key things is most come with some type of experience that, that brings them in because it's a painful moment in their life. That's Whether right. for me, it's, it's someone that and injured their, um, their low back for you. It's someone that is, is on the brink of losing their job because of their, their current addiction. We do relate to that painful moment where yeah. we have to start pulling ourselves up in one of those pieces that we create is understanding first. And you mm -hmm. did a marvelous job of using the acronym mm -hmm. dopamine. Mm -hmm. And I think that each piece of dopamine, while we can't give away the entire store today in our short podcast, would you kind of run through the, the bits and pieces of dopamine that, that will kind of give that understanding that secret that secret yeah. to finding the balance in today's age of indulgence. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. So yeah, it's, it's an acronym. So each letter in the word dopamine stands for a framework for how to approach these kinds of problems, either in our own lives or with our patients. The D stands for data. So what I like to do is just sort of objectively gather information about what the person is consuming, drugs, shopping, video games, and a sense of how much and how often, and do it kind of in a matter of fact way. Often doing this with patients can be an intervention in itself because what can happen with compulsive overconsumption or addiction is that we can end up with a kind of a split brain where we're doing it, but we're not really aware that we're doing it or we're not acknowledging that we're doing it. This is often referred to as denial uh, in addiction medicine. And one of my patients said that denial is an acronym for don't even know I am lying, which I think is great. I love it. Yeah. Um, but what happens when we ask our patients this and then they articulate, well, yeah, yesterday I did this and the day before I did that, they're surprised themselves, right? So that can be an intervention of them. They go, oh, wow. I, wow. When I say it out loud, I didn't realize how much it really was. So that's the first thing. The O of dopamine stands for objective. So then, you know, what we try to do is really put ourselves in our patient's head and figure out why are you using this substance or this behavior? You know, why do you spend three hours a day looking at pornography and masturbating? Like what, what does it do for you? And people will report, a, you know, a wide variety, but a pretty consistent list of it's my escape. It's my reward. Uh, I can, you know, it helps me stop thinking about myself. I think we all kind of crave that non-being where we're not constantly being um, tortured by our relentless thoughts. The brain is so interesting to me because it really is like a beating heart. It has ceaseless thoughts right. and it can, you know, it's exhausting. Um, so uh, some people use that for fun, right. For, for pleasure. Um, then the P of the dopamine acronym stands for problems. So then, then I ask patients to say, okay, well, I've heard all the good things. You know, what, what about this is not working out for you anymore? One of the common things patients will say is, well, it's not working anymore. So it's not working out because it's literally not working. Cannabis used to relieve my anxiety and help my pain. And now it's not doing that. Or, you know, opioids were really effective for my pain at first. And now I'm, um, you know, I'm in as much or more pain as I was before. And, and so that's really helpful because that can be a, you know, a hook to know where their motivation is. Um, you know, for a patient with pain, if their motivation is to have less pain, then it's really important to, to explain the pleasure pain balance, opioid induced hyperalgesia and how 
paradoxically, getting off the opioids may actually be the thing to help, to help their pain. And then the A of the dopamine acronym is, stands for abstinence. And this is where I ask patients to abstain from their drug of choice for 30 days. Why 30 days? Because 30 days is the minimum amount of time it usually takes for those gremlins to hop off the pain side of the balance and for homeostasis to be restored. That is to say, for our own bodies to regenerate dopamine, dopamine receptors, our own opioids, our own serotonin, to kind of bring it all back up to level again. It's really important if you're asking patients to do this dopamine fast, that number one, you've ruled out that they're not going to have a life-threatening withdrawal. So people can have life-threatening withdrawal from opioids, from benzodiazepines, from alcohol. So you, you want to make sure that you're not dealing with somebody who maybe needs to be hospitalized or needs a medically monitored detoxification or a slow taper. Um, but if you can rule that, that category out, then whether, you know, whether the problem is pornography or shopping or cannabis or opioids, you ask them for this 30 day fast and you warn them that it's going to get worse before it gets better. Why? Because right now they're barely maintaining homeostasis with a bunch of gremlins on the pain side and a bunch of the, their drug of choice on the pleasure side. The moment they take this away, there's going to be no weight on that side of the balance, but the gremlins like it. They stay on there for a while. So they're going to experience those universal symptoms of withdrawal, but if they can just wait long enough, and typically the first two weeks are critical, the gremlins start to hop off and balance is restored. And by the time people get to weeks three and four, many of them come in endorsing, feeling better than they have in years. And here's the key. If they aren't able to abstain, even when they plan to, that's helpful information because it says maybe it's not within their willful control. If they abstain for the four weeks and they come back and they don't feel better, that's helpful information because it says, hey, there's an underlying psychiatric or emotional condition. Um, it's not just about this drug or even primarily about this drug. So I, I, the, the absence fast is really key. And then just quickly, the rest of the acronym, M stands for mindfulness, I stands for insight, N stands, stands for next steps. That's when patients come back, you do the pros and cons. You say, okay, do you wanna to continue to abstain or do you wanna to try to use in moderation? They almost all wanna go back to using in moderation. All right, what barriers are you gonna put in place to help you with moder moderation? And then the E of dopamine stands for experiment. You send them back out in the world, they try whatever they were going to try and you have them back in another month and you talk about how it went. That was an amazing overview of dopamine in and of itself. And I think you are changing the nation by opening up and having honest conversations, especially about the balance in the human condition that we're in right now and the amount of stress that can come either from being in a painful situation or just being in a pandemic with a mental health crisis based on a lot of what we're experiencing. So on behalf of all of our listeners, I want to thank you for being transparent, for bringing an honest conversation forward and to allowing us an inside and very honest approach to looking at ourselves and not be in denial. And I will always remember that acronym now to where we want to go and how do we want to restore that balance? I want to thank you so much today, Dr. Lepke. I know you're extremely busy and you took the, the wonderful time to spend with us today. And I look forward to our listeners getting a hold of your dopamine nation and, and learning more about themselves. So thank you for joining us today. 
Well, thank you. It was my pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for your work. I want to thank you for tuning in to Adjusted Reality as we spoke to Dr. Anna Lebke about finding balance in an age of indulgence, how to manage compulsive consumption and a sneak peek into her latest book, Dopamine Nation. She shared some powerful acronyms, one I won't forget, like denial and dopamine to help us look deeper into our current balance of pleasure and pain and steps to work towards to keep it a balanced scale. This podcast was brought to you by the Foundation for Chiropractic Progress. As a special gift for listening today, visit f4cp.org slash health to get a copy of our Mind, Body, Spirit ebook, which focuses on many ways to optimize your health and the ones you love without the use of drugs or surgery. Don't forget to subscribe, share the podcast with friends and family, rate and review. I look forward to having you join me again for our next episode for Adjusted Reality. Till then, be well. Oh,